0: Morning folks, Larry here, Daily Alarm, hope you're well. Sky is on fire this morning. It's funny because it's changing by the millisecond, you know, as the sun rises to the back of the house here. Um it was a glowing red about thirty seconds ago. It's now orange and pink and light blue. It's uh, it's amazing how quickly it changes. Um, but it's beautiful you know wish you could see it in fact I've taken a photograph I'll drop it into Instagram if you get over there Larry Hugh McGuire you'll see what I'm talking about (laughs) it's wonderful anyway uh, it serves to notice these things I believe morning son so anyway Hope you have a good day. It's coffee time. I'll chat these later. I've actually got a poem that I wrote a little while ago called The Sky's on Fire. I was driving home one day and uh, um, the sun was setting behind me near where I live and the whole sky was just ablaze with colour. It was incredible. Um, and I wrote a poem. I whipped it out my phone and I spoke it into the phone and then. Uh I took it home and I kinda dicky it up a bit. I'll uh I must read it uh here sometime. In fact I'll dig it out maybe later on and read it. Um but uh I've been too active on here in the last few days um been busy with uh some studying, exam time, you know. So uh anyway. I'll drop a couple of segments in here from time to time and get back on the old horse uh maybe next week or towards the weekend. Uh so hope you're having a good day people and I'll chat to you later. All right. This might be a very boring subject for some but uh I'm studying language at the moment. Um entry level stuff the likes of uh, Stephen Pinker and Noam Chomsky and uh their theory of Language acquisition. Very interesting um, position Stephen Pinker takes in regard to uh, language acquisition. He says that language is not something that a child does, but rather something that happens. That's very interesting to me because uh, I'm all for this whole idea of uh, uh, this Zen idea "ziran," which basically means that which comes of itself. Uh, Buddhists believe that Zen Buddhists believe that uh, all nature comes out of whatever it comes out of out of itself, all by itself. It's uh, considered a happening rather than something that something makes happen. If you know what I mean. Um, traditional views, scientific views in Western society, is that there's a there's something, some law or other that makes something happen. You know, cause and effect. When in fact. Uh, uh, Zen, but, zen buddhists believe that it just happens of itself so um stephen pinker has got a bit to say on it um he's still knocking around he's not dead yet <laughs> his uh his material uh, first came out in in 1989 in terms of uh language acquisition so i thought it'd be interesting to share that with you uh here's stephen pinker's little talk for big think uh, it's a youtube clip and uh you know maybe maybe you'll find it interesting Okay, hope you like it.
1: Now children can't memorize sentences because knowledge of language isn't just one long list of memorized sentences, but somehow they must distill out or abstract out the rules that go into assembling sentences based on what they hear coming out of their parents' mouths when they were little. And the talent of using rules to produce new combinations is in evidence from the moment the kids begin to speak. At the two-word stage, which you typically see in children who are 18 months or a bit older. Kids are producing the smallest sentences that deserve to be counted as sentences, namely two words long, but already it's clear that they're putting them together using rules in their own mind. To take an example, a child might say, more outside, meaning take him outside or let him stay outside. Now, adults don't say, more outside. So it's not a phrase that the child could simply have memorized by rote, but it shows that already children are using these rules to put together new combinations. Another example, uh, a child having uh, jam washed from his uh, fingers said to his mother, all gone sticky. Uh, Again, not a phrase that you could ever have copied from uh, a parent, but one that shows the child producing new combinations. An easy way of showing that children assimilate rules of grammar unconsciously from uh, the moment they begin to speak is the use of the past tense rule. For example, children go through a long stage in which they make errors like, we holded the baby rabbits, or he teared the paper and then he sticked it. Cases in which they overgeneralize the regular rule of forming the past tense, add ed, to irregular verbs like hold, stick, or tear. It's easy to get children to flaunt this ability to apply rules productively in a laboratory demonstration called the Wug Test. You bring a kid into a lab, you show him a picture of a little bird, and you say, this is a Wug. Then you show him another picture, you say, well, now there are two of them. There are two, and children will fill in the gap by saying Wugs. Again, a form they could not have memorized because it's invented for the experiment, but it shows that they have productive mastery of the regular plural rule in English. And famously, Chomsky claimed that children solve the problem of language acquisition by having the general design of language already wired into them in the form of a universal grammar, a spec sheet for what the rules of any language have to look like. Noam
0: Chomsky has uh, a lot to say in this too so I have a clip that I'd like to play for you. <laughs> this is uh, amusing. Check it
2: out. kasha! Check this science with none other than my main man Professor Norman Chomsky and him is gonna explain about language why is studying language important?
3: Language is the core property that uh, uh, basically defines human beings.
2: so when animals chat to each other does them talk in language
3: Well, that's more or less a matter of definition i mean every every organism has some means of communication, including insects.
2: How many words does you know
3: well uh, the, uh, the uh, normally humans, uh, by maturity, have tens of thousands of words. For real? Yeah.
2: What is some of them? Mm.
3: Well, the ones we're using.
2: Mm. For real? Me know loads of words: parachute, photograph. Yeah, if you count London's, them up, it'll be in the. Yeah, he, you count them
3: up, it'll be in the tens of thousands.
2: my Yeah. Me four-year-old cousin Sanjeev, he's got a Bangladeshi mum. But his dad come from stents represent West Side. Does you think he'll grow up speaking both languages?
3: It varies among, different, among people. So if so person speaks two languages, you call them bilingual. Many languages, you call it multilingual.
2: So what you're saying to me, cousin may grow up bilingual.
3: In, an, in normal circumstances, he will.
2: But Professor, ain't it wrong to say just because he might be able to speak two languages that him will be into ladies and also into boys.
3: I don't understand. There's no connection. Well, you were There's saying no he's going to be bi. There's no connection at all. I mean, whether the whether he en- ends up uh, uh, liking boys or girls yeah, or chemistry, he's,
2: he's going to be is going to grow up to be bi, and I don't think that's fair you saying that.
3: Bilingual means yeah, having two languages. It has nothing to do with bi in the sense that you're thinking of. Bilingual means having two languages. It has nothing to do with being bisexual.
2: But how would you like it if I called you bilingual?
3: I'd love it if I were bilingual. I'd love it if that's I were right. multilingual. If I had many different languages, I'd be a richer person.
2: What's multilingual, is that? If having many, many languages.
3: No, no, multilingual means, no, multi means many.
2: 'Cause Minan's boyfriend, Derek, him always tell Minan that he is cunnilingual. How many languages does that mean him speak?
3: Each, again, let me say, each of us speaks many different languages.
2: Why don't you create a new language where instead of, like, the word bread, you add something like mephilop or Mephla, or, no, 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 or Lafina,
3: you can you can or do for a table
2: call it like plella. or oh, no, plella would be better yeah. for dog. But
3: you you can do it if you like and nobody will pay the slightest attention to you because it would just be a waste of time.
2: But you could earn a lot of money.
3: No, like you if... wouldn't because nobody would pay the slightest attention since it's a waste of time.
2: Yo, so check it out. You reserved the words of my main man. Now listen up, be well clever like him, and start speaking proper. Respect. <laughs> okay. Big up yourself.
0: Say <laughs> So one more uh, exam left for this particular semester next week and um, I'm glad most of it is over although I do enjoy the uh, you know, the packing in of uh, information in the days and leading up to an exam but um, I watched a video last night about education and uh, I'll drop it in actually um, into the web clipper and you can listen to it but essentially we're talking about our uh, modern day uh, system of schooling uh, the predominant style of schooling which is essentially modelled on the uh, industrial uh, revolution idea of the assembly line you know you uh, you give uh, a bunch of kids that's why education was brought in in fact one of the big reasons why it was so successful it was so industry would have uh, workers for their production line. And that's the truth of it. But uh, not being judgmental, but that's a fact. So our education system is based on this idea that you line kids up and you give them information and um, it's all rote learning, you know? Memorise what I tell you. Uh, here's an exam and we'll test them what you've remembered. And then we'll gauge how good you are or how bad you are based on the results. And it's a totally flawed idea. Like it's so fucking flawed. You know? How good I am, how intelligent I am will be based on um, how much I remember. How much of this stuff that I don't like engaging with. And uh, little or no uh, focus put on what kids are actually interested in. You know? And I accept that there is a basic level of uh, stuff that kids need to learn to interact in the world. However, I think our education system needs to grow up just a little bit here and uh, get with the program, you know. Um, I mean, we teach kids. Uh, we teach kids. We don't teach them. We, we tell them information uh, and we show them how to behave and sit in a row and keep their mouth shut and get their books out and all this kind of stuff. And then suddenly they're thrust into the world where they have to make decisions. So how how can they make decisions? How can they intuitively uh, assess a particular situation and come to a a conclusion that's going to be helpful to themselves and other people? It's not possible, given the nature by which we actually uh, educate our kids. So something's got to change. And um, remarkably enough, it's the same in third-level education. At least that's what I'm seeing. Um, it's all about how much information you can retain, and I accept that there's some basic level knowledge that you must have of what has gone before and how the theories and ideas we currently have have been built, and that's all valid and, and wordy. However, there must be a practical approach. There's got to be. Without a practical approach, you, it's you're just it's it rote learning again. There's no. Um, uh, Anchor for the information we rece- we're expected to retain. And one of the one of my fellow students tonight, uh, we were doing co- cognitive psychology. Uh, we had an exam in that, and went pretty well for me, reasonably well considering the work I put in. Could have put a bit more work in, could have done better, but I did I did okay. So I'm happy enough. But uh, one of the students in my class was saying, you know, um, how difficult she found studying for cognitive and uh, how she asked herself how in the name of god is she going to retain this information because there's no practical element to it there's no way there was no way for her to anchor the information to anything real if you know what i mean um, so you know something's going to have to change with all of this um, and and uh, remarkably enough in psychology, you don't get to have a practical level uh, interaction with the material until you go do your master's. So if you choose not to do your master's, you have no practical experience behind you. In nursing, there's practical experience, uh, which is now at degree level, in, at least in this country. Um, in other fields of specialization, uh, uh, fields of study, there's, there's practical. I think a practical uh, element is vital. I don't know. What do you think? Anyway, uh, I'm going to grab the link to that little clip that I watched last night on education and uh, it's, uh, I'm going to drop it in the Clipper so you can listen to it. Okay? It's coming up shortly.
4: There is a growing feeling today that something is wrong with our system of education. But what is it? Well, we send our children to school to prepare them for the real world, which is changing very, very fast. But our schools haven't changed much for hundreds of years. In fact, thought leaders from around the world agree that the current system of education was designed in the industrial age mainly to churn out factory workers. And this industrial age mentality of mass production and mass control still runs deep in schools. Industrial Age Values We educate children by batches and govern their lives by ringing bells. All day long, students do nothing but follow instructions. Sit down. Take out your books. Turn to page 40. Solve problem number 3. Stop talking. At school, you're awarded for doing exactly what you are told. These are industrial age values that were really important for factory workers. Their success depended on following instructions and doing exactly what they were told. But in today's world, how far can you get by simply following instructions? The modern world values people who can be creative, who can communicate their ideas and collaborate with others. But our children don't get a chance to develop such skills in a system that's based on industrial age values. Lack of autonomy and control. At school, our children experience a complete lack of autonomy and control. Every minute of a child's life is tightly controlled by the system. But in today's world, if you're doing important work, then you're managing your own time. You're making your own decisions regarding what to do and when to do it. But life at school looks very different. The system is sending a dangerous message to our children that they are not in charge of their own lives. They just have to follow whatever is laid down instead of taking charge and making the most of their lives. Experts believe autonomy is incredibly important for children. It's no wonder, then, that our children are bored and demotivated by school. Can you imagine how you would feel if you were told exactly what to do for every minute of your life? Inauthentic learning Most of the learning that happens in schools today is not authentic because it relies on memorization and rote learning. The system defines a generic set of knowledge that all children must know. And then, every few months, we measure how much has been retained by administering exams. We know that such learning is not authentic because most of it is gone the day after the exam. Learning can be much deeper and more authentic. It can be so much more than just memorization and retention. But that's the only thing we measure, and test scores are the only thing we value. This has created an extremely unhealthy culture for students, parents and teachers. Children are going through endless hours of tuitions, staying up all night memorizing useless facts that they will forget very soon. No room for passions and interests. We have an extremely standardized system where each child must learn the same thing at the same time in the same way as everyone else. This doesn't respect the basic fact of being human, that each of us is unique and different in our own way. We all have different passions and interests. And the key to fulfillment in life is to find your passion. But do the schools of today help our children find and develop their passion? There seems to be no room in the current education system for the most important questions in a child's life. What am I good at? What do I want to do in life? How do I fit into this world? The system doesn't seem to care. There are so many greatly talented people who failed in the traditional school system. Fortunately, they were able to overcome these failures, but not everyone can. We have no measure for how much talent, how much potential goes unrecognized in the current system. Differences in how we learn. Each of us is also different in how we learn, in how much time we take to learn something, and what tools and resources work best for us. But the system has no room for such differences. So, if you're a bit slow in learning something, you are considered a failure, when all you needed was a bit more time to catch up. Lecturing. In the current system, children are lectured for more than five hours a day. But there are a few big problems with lecturing. Sal Khan from Khan Academy calls lecturing a fundamentally dehumanizing experience. 30 kids with fingers on their lips not allowed to interact with each other. Also, in any given classroom, different students are at different levels of understanding. Now, whatever the teacher does, there are bound to be students who are either bored because they are ahead or confused because they are behind. Because of the internet and digital media, our children have at their fingertips all the information in the world. Technology has made it possible for anyone to learn anything. But for fear of losing control, the system is not leveraging these incredible resources. Our system of education, which evolved in the industrial age, has become outdated and ineffective. If we want to prepare our children for the modern world, if we want learning to be effective and engaging, then there's no doubt that we need to fundamentally change our system of education.
0: So yes, education. Um, hopefully, hopefully uh, you enjoyed. Don't know if that's the right word. Um, found interesting that last clip uh, of audio. Uh, it's very much along the lines of uh, Ken Robinson's material uh, around education. If you're familiar with him, you should Google or YouTube. A few a few uh, YouTube talks there. One particular TED talk was quite uh, popular. Uh, anyway, today I posted a bunch of other people's stuff I've I've done that in the last few uh, segments and episodes here on, on the Larb the Daily Larb um, I'm going to finish off uh, with a piece of my own stuff And uh, earlier I promised you a poem And I don't write a whole pile of poetry But this one I wrote uh, on the way home um, From somewhere a couple of years ago and uh, it's called the sky is on fire the sky is on fire to the west of here clouds grow as evening draws near the old man said as he stood and watched the familiar hues of the colour swatch the light she said sure where will you go alone in the mix in your overcoat back home he said to a place i forgot to join a world to remember not the love of mine and step into the mire from the west of here where the sky is on fire To this time, this ground, to play the game To throw the dice, to take my aim To pass some time within this space To experiment, to run the race For love, you see, for creation's sake To have my turn, to make my stake, To leave one behind, to forget it all To take a chance so that I could fall Into a world that looks like me So I could discern, so that I could see The truth again, as I step up higher To the west of here, where the sky is on fire To the love of mine, where I became The self you see that looks just the same, both you and me, despite our ten, the veil of us that separates us in, this world of things and death, but it's not the end, so be brave of heart, all will amend. this world of ours, as we ascend higher, to the west of here, where the sky is on fire. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to check that poem out, the lyrics, the lyrics, (laughs) the words, whatever you call it, I'm I'm not... uh, I'm not big on poetry, but as I said. Anyway, if you want to get this, uh, jump over to Medium, just search for Disguise on Fire, you'll get the poem. I published it to uh, a, a publication, a Medium publication called. What's it called? Um, doesn't say. Looking at it here. Uh, geezer Speaks. Anyway, just search for it. Disguise on Fire, you'll get it. Uh, so that's it for this evening Um, thanks for listening in today if you're listening to this podcast episode on iTunes or Spreaker or Google Play well I recorded all of the segments that comprise this episode on Anchor Uh, and obviously some of the material uh, from today's episode was not my own uh, and I used a little tool from Anchor called a web clipper and that allows you to drop in YouTube clips and other um, audio links uh, soundcloud links even links from your own site and your own audio files um, and it uploads them to your uh, station so uh, check it out get over to anchor.fm forward slash alarm to check out my material there's plenty of other stuff that doesn't make it into episodes um, like other people's uh, commentary and segments that I might share um so get over and check that out um yeah so that's about it for today thanks for listening in. Uh, hope you found those pieces on education interesting and uh, i might catch you tomorrow at some point okay have a good night take it easy